In our New Testament, we turn to Hebrews, which is, in fact, a sermon preached to a congregation. When we turn to the 10th chapter, begin with the 11th verse, where we find the preacher in the middle of an argument or making the case for what Christ has done for us on the cross, and we pick up in the middle of it, and he says this. Every priest stands day after day at his service, at his post, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, his life, his death, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, which is what it means to be sanctified. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Our prayer this morning is the same as what our wonderful choir has offered. Let the meditation of our hearts, may my voice and this message be acceptable to you, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and think back on your life and all that you've experienced. Think back on all the things that have happened to you so far in your life. And as you do that, as you think about all that's happened, the the good things, the not-so-good things, the hard things, the wonderful things, the beautiful things, which of them, I ask you, stand out as defining moments, moments that caused you to rethink yourself or rethink how you view the world, moments that changed your life, defining moments. I've made it no secret that my father and I are recovering alcoholics. 
On February 14th, 1985, my dad was sober for the first time. I remember that date specifically because it not only changed his, his life, it changed my life. For I am convinced that if he had not done that so many years ago, I would not be alive today. I'm convinced of it. It changed my life. Have you ever had an experience, a moment, that changed yours? In this sermon that we call Hebrews, the preacher is arguing that we each have a moment like that. We've all been given a moment like that, that there is in fact an event that changes everything, changes all of us. He refers to it as the offering. And in that reference, he claims that Christ has done in that one event for us what no one else could do. Every priest, he says, stands day after day at their post offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice. By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Eugene Peterson translates that last verse this way. He says, a perfect sacrifice offered by a perfect person to perfect some imperfect people. That's us. The preacher of Hebrews wants us to know that and remember that the cross has changed all of us whether we realize it or not. It's a defining moment. A couple of weeks ago I met with a group of pastors that I meet with every year. We've been meeting since seminary, so it's been a while now. We've, we know each other all too well. We know our quirks, our idiosyncrasies, and it's, it's great and horrible all at the same time. It is a wonderful group. And we meet every year, and, and we go to the same place now. It's our home away from home. We know where everything is. We just walk in, and it's all the same. It's just, it's, it's our place. And, and our place is a beautiful retreat center down near Lakey, Texas, down in the Texas Hill Country. And, and, but when we met this year, I, I came across a quote that I had not noticed before given by the founder, Howard Butt, H-E-B Foundation, the H-E-B grocery stores, if you know the grocery grocery stores down in that neck of the woods. There, he's the one that founded it, and I came across this quote, and I want to read it to you. It's a, it's a beautiful quote, and it speaks of the feel of why it, that place feels the way it does. He said this, Ours is a world of broken things. We are people of brokenness. 
We have broken relationships, broken bodies, broken marriages, broken families, broken dreams, broken hopes. But there's good news today. Christ is the God of broken things. Christ is the God of broken things. That's what the cross is all about. Christ is the God of broken things. That event when God became broken so that we might be made whole. It's an event that changed everything. It's an event that changed all of us. The thing is, though, that it doesn't always feel that way, does it? It doesn't always feel like that's true. In my group, we were talking about the crucifixion, about the cross. We read a book on the crucifixion this year, a big, long, 700-something page book. Not all of us finished it. We were talking about that event, and, and one of us, in a moment of brutal honesty, chirped up and said, what difference has it actually made? Has Christianity made any difference at all? How in the world can we know that the cross has in fact made a difference? I mean, have you looked out the window lately? Take a look at our world. What difference has it made? Interestingly enough, that's the same question that the Hebrews congregation was asking so long ago. They're asking it, what, what difference is it making because they were in a world not all that different from our world, their world, not unlike ours, all of a sudden was becoming more divisive, more polarized, more uncertain, more hectic, more chaotic, more messy, broken. And they were tired. Professor Tom Long points that out, says this congregation that the Hebrews preacher is speaking to had grown tired. They were tired of trying to live the Christian life in a world that didn't support it. They'd become discouraged at what they perceived as evil, seeming to constantly persist. And as a result, they, they began to question the value of being followers of Christ in the first place. What difference does it make? That's the question they were asking. It's the question my friend was asking. It's the question I ask on occasion. And when we find ourselves in that place where we're looking out the window, peering out and looking at a world gone crazy that we don't understand anymore and we wonder if anything's made a difference at all, if this has made a difference, what difference has the cross made? How do we know that it's made any difference whatsoever? When we find ourselves in that place, I picture the, the Hebrews preacher sitting down with us and giving us that look and looking into our eyes, you know, with the kind of look that only a really good pastor can give as if they know something a little bit of the, that you don't quite know and they're looking at you with that caring, loving look that lets you know you are loved and they want you to hear what they're about to say and we're asking, what difference has it made? How do we know it's made a difference at all? He looks at us and I know what he asks us. He says, how do you know it hasn't made a difference? 
how do you know it hasn't? For all we know, the cross has been the very thing that has kept us going all along. Yes, yes, I believe that's correct. The cross is the very thing that in fact has kept us alive. And if you can believe that, if any part of you can even entertain it, if there's any inkling in you at all, any possibility in your heart, then the next thing the preacher's going to tell you in his caring, loving way is go and live like that as if it's actually true. That's why he says things like, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without reservation. That's why he says things like, provoke one another to love and do good things. Because he believes that the cross has made a difference And that we should live as if it's actually true. A couple of Sundays ago, I mentioned that one of my childhood pastors had died. Blair Money is the same person that Diane just quoted a little bit ago. She was his assistant for many years at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. He came to Preston Hollow when I was in college. And so I'd see him when I'd come back, but in the years that followed, years later, he helped me discern whether I felt called to seminary or not. And doggone it, if he, if he didn't say the exact right thing at the exact right moment, it's as if he knew exactly what I needed to hear. He was always like that. I, I I loved him for it and I hated him for it all at the same time. It was just irritating. Say something wrong for once. He was that kind of person. He was a gift to me in those moments and in the years that followed. His funeral was yesterday down at Preston Hollow and the church was packed, you know, of course. People from all over traveled converged on Dallas, Texas because this one person, this one life made a difference in their lives. We were packed in together. In the service, Matthew Ruffner, the current senior pastor there who did an excellent job, he he said, he described Blair this way, he said, Blair had a gift for choosing people rather than choosing sides. He chose people rather than choosing sides. He did that because he lived his life in response to the cross. He actually believed this stuff. He lived his life as if that were actually true. What about you? What about us? 
If you ever find yourself looking back on your life and looking, searching for that one defining moment, that one experience that changes things, look no further than this book, this sermon we call Hebrews, where the preacher describes an event, a moment where God became broken so that we might be made whole. And if there's any part of you at all that can take that in, any inkling whatsoever, any possibility in your heart, then go out into this world and live like it. Live as if it's actually true. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without reservation, provoke one another, prod one another to love and do good. Don't give up on this world just yet. For if the cross has anything to say to us at all, it's that Christ is the God of broken things. The God of broken things. A God who never gives up on us, ever. That is good news, friends. It's the best news. Live like it. Amen.